Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is You Did This To Us. Everybody, my name is Brett Stewart. Joining me this fine afternoon, Nicole Davis. How are you? I'm good. It's movie. It's <laughs> I'm good. It's movie. Science. None. You can't have and lost that many brain cells from watching this. Weapon is my friend and things. Oh, Hi. the weapon is my uh, friend. What? <laughs> uh, David Luzader, how are you? The year is 2008. I have just walked out of a screening of The Happening, and I think to myself, I'm never going to see that movie again, no matter what happens. Fast forward a few years later, I do a podcast where we let our audience vote on what movie we should see, and I watch The Happening again. Yes. So in You Did This to Us, you, the audience, get to pick the movie. You vote on our website, mgrpodcast.com. Every five weeks, there is a poll there. And this one overwhelmingly, (laughs) like there wasn't an insignificant amount of votes, but there were an incredible amount of votes for this movie in particular. I believe it Mm -hmm. beat out the next one in line by like 30% of the vote. Yeah, it it. People wanted this to happen to us, and I will never forgive you. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was it was rocking thirty seven percent of the vote with fifteen percent for the next available option. So, the happening you guys wanted it, we watched it. At least yeah. let the listener numbers reflect it. Don't let this be for nothing. <laughs> Download, subscribe, Please. leave those comments. Uh, Tell a and, friend exactly. But let's. First, introduce next week's movie. Next week is new to two. It's the start of a brand new movie go-round cycle where Nicole will be picking a movie that neither myself nor David have seen before. Nicole, what are we watching? Uh, Well, for the first time, I am choosing a movie where I'm not confident that both of you or maybe even either of you will like, but Mm. I thought it was really interesting and had some cool ideas in it, and I love to talk about it and i don't think anybody saw it except me and my boyfriend and like the five other people in our movie theater uh it's a movie called captive state came out last year directed by rupert wyatt who directed rise of the planet of the apes it's a mid-budget science fiction film Captive with okay with john goodman Goodman. yeah ashton sanders from uh moonlight and uh, Jonathan Majors from The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Hmm. All righty. Do you like John Goodman in weird little sci-fi roles? Because he's popped up in a few, and he's always very enjoyable. And it's in Chicago. All righty. Yes. Very cool. Check it out, Captive State from 2019 next week. This week, however, was 2008's the happening the people of new york city suddenly began killing themselves for no discernible Uh, reason uh, (sighs) as this behavior begins to spread throughout the northeast clueless philadelphia science teacher elliot and his vacant (laughs) wife alma head for a quieter part of pennsylvania when their train stops in a small town the passengers are left to fend for themselves and figure out what's causing the event and how to survive it man if i ever knew nicole wrote the the uh, synopsis <laughs> that is one of them <laughs> so let's let's break this down from the very beginning i think i think we just need to start with the fact that the biggest suspension of disbelief here is that mark, Wa- mark Wahlberg could be cast believably as a science teacher okay so there's actually a really <laughs> great quote from mark Wahlberg himself about this that i wanted i want to address uh which mark Wahlberg very upfront about this not being a good movie. Yeah. Uh, he, he has said in interviews, it was a bad movie. F it. It is what it is. But the rest of the quote that I love for this reason, you can't blame me for not wanting to try to play a science teacher. At least I wasn't playing a cop or a crook. <laughs> I, you know what? I can't, I can't. Uh, and he's, 
bad as a science teacher. Everyone uh, is bad in this but movie. But everyone is bad. And here's the thing. I can't even really blame the actors because I don't know how you make this material good. Rewatching this movie for the first time since I saw it in you know the late 2000s, I came to the realization that yes, the idea is stupid, and yes, the the twist is stupid. Um, even though there's not really a twist, but the stupidest part of it all is the writing. Just the dialogue between characters yeah. is apocryphally bad. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I no, that- really would love to see. I think M. Night Shyamalan is not an untalented man, but I would no. love to see him direct someone else's script. Mm. You know, get a good writer, let him direct it, and see what happens. Yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, it makes sense why people would want to work with him at this point, because, you know, Sixth Sense and Unbreakable and Signs, it all happened, and like, The Village, mixed. Lady in the Water, you know, I think people are, Lady in the Water is not very good. No. Uh, but <laughs> but it's like, he's still like a very like hot commodity. It's sort of like uh, Jupiter Ascending, where Mila Kunis was hey. like, I didn't, I didn't quite understand what the script was, but you know, it was those the Wachowskis. Like, I didn't want to pass up a chance to work with these great people. So I think that's kind of what happened here. Is like maybe they read the script and they're like, I don't know, but you know, it's M Night Shyamalan. And, <laughs> All right, I want you guys to admit right now that Jupiter Ascending is better than this movie. Oh, one hundred thousand percent more more watchable. <laughs> <laughs> Different levels there, but in agreement yeah. that this is worse. Uh, oh, 100%, so yes. <laughs> no, I put something in discussion topics, and I I, I wrote this mid movie, so I realize it comes off as harsher than intended. But I think he gets uh, no, a little. I think he gets too much credit as a, as a director because of films like The Sixth Sense and Signs. Because I do think if you look at his filmography as a whole, in more more cases than not, his films range from forgettable to truly terrible. And I, and I wonder if that's because, to Nicole's point, he really is a visionary director, and when he really puts his mind to it, but he's just not a great writer. Like, the Earth movie with Will Smith and his kid happened, and Devil, where they're in an elevator. Like, these are bad so, movies. Uh, hold up. No, no, Devil was not him. Devil, he produced, I believe, but I don't think he directed Devil. Oh, okay. All uh, right. But, Devil's but, a good B movie. To, and to the credit of that... M. Night Shyamalan had fallen so much by the time that Devil came out. I remember being in the theater. This is two years after The Happening. uh, But Last Airbender had probably just happened. Uh, I remember being (laughs) in the theater and a guy who once viewed could be doing no wrong, you know, the the trailer for Devil Plays. And then it says produced by M. Night Shyamalan. And people in my theater laughed. (laughs) People laughed laughed at his name on the screen that is insane that he had fallen that far and i wonder if part of it is because he boxed himself in by becoming a meme he is the you're gonna get a twist guy and that really struck me with this movie because i forgot that this movie doesn't have a twist they just tell you what's no. going to happen. And like the first 10 minutes, some dude's like, oh, yeah, it's the plants. And that's exactly <laughs> what it is. And I, I, that's bad writing. But I don't know if I can fault him for not forcing a twist in just because he's M. Night Shyamalan. It's it's bad writing if the rest of your movie depends on that premise. And yeah. guess right. what it does. I guess yeah, what I'm saying I mean, is like, I'm not looking for a twist. But if you're going to give it to me, like, try Right. No, I mean, at this, the trailer for this movie, at least, was intriguing. If you watch yes, the trailer, I remember it. all you know is that people suddenly start killing themselves. We're not sure why. Might be an attack, might not be, might be something else, and it's spreading, and nobody knows why, and we're losing contact with the control center of the train station, so we have to stop the train in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, so you're left thinking, is it, is it aliens? Is it like a mass uh, delusion? Is it, is it some kind of chemical attack? Is it a disease? Is, you know, any of those explanations would have been better than <laughs> it's plants attacking people. Yeah. 
So, so to, to back up there quickly, you mentioned the trailer, and I went back, I watched the trailers for this movie, I read some interviews from the time it came out, and I was reading the reviews from the time it came out to try to just wrap my head around the space this was in in 2008, not being 12 years removed from just people hating this movie. And he claims, Shyamalan claims this, he was going for horror farce. And, you know, David, you put in our docket, do we believe him or is he trying to save face? 100% the latter, because everything in these trailers alluded to this being a serious movie. This is not a farce. Yeah, I think a movie in which a kid gets shot point blank with a shotgun, two kids get shot point blank with a shotgun. You can't write off and be like, no, 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 no. It's It's a comedy. It's a joke. I'm making fun of horror movies. It's like, no, you're not, man. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was watching for that from the beginning of this viewing. This is the first time I've seen this movie and the last. And um, <laughs> John Leguizamo and the girl playing his daughter, they're in a horror movie. They don't yeah. know right. that they're in a horror farce movie. They're in a horror movie. You know, maybe Mark Wahlberg is in the farce. <laughs> Because he's overplaying so many things and his facial expressions are so big and overdone. And, you know, somebody, I think it was Cinema Sins that talked about how Mark Wahlberg playing Sirius is like the most earnest kid in the high school play. <laughs> and it's just not, and- you know, it's just, it's, it's the fact that he's trying is visible and it's not working and it doesn't suit him yes and he's going over the top whether he's directed to or not the scene yeah. that and i hate to say that because he can he can be good in the right can. material mark Wahlberg is capable of putting in a good performance no a hundred percent agree but then i think of the scene in this movie when the old plant witch uh is like are you trying to <laughs> steal things no 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 that's that's old that's mrs jones played by betty buckley she's like get off my lawn lady yes yes but she like lets them into her house and then it's weird and inconsistent and then uh when she's like are you like trying to steal my things and he's like what no just the way he delivers (laughs) that no line is like it's totally would be like if somebody cut you with your hand in the cookie jar and it's like are you having sweet before (laughs) dinner what no (laughs) he's supposed to deliver it it's like a Onto her yeah. patio, I and her lemon drink, David. <laughs> her lemon drink. <laughs> what? What's that? Because like? that's what I call it. I see you eyeing my hand out on the side of the road. Lemon drink, twenty five cents. Yeah, you I know? see you eyeing my lemon drink. Well, I better invite you in for dinner, I guess. Right. <laughs> and and she's just needlessly antagonistic of them, even before she becomes infected and none of it none of that pays off no (laughs) everything about her is just nothing it's just nothing yeah she's she's clearly in you know like appears to be in some stage of alzheimer's you know where she's very hostile and not a hundred percent following things logically you know and she's paranoid that they're gonna kill her in her sleep or they're gonna take her things or they you know, something's going on and she doesn't want to know about the outside world. And, you know, she, she seems to be ill in some way, not just cranky. She seems to <laughs> be know? in an entirely <sighs> different movie. Yeah. What's like, yes. <laughs> Clint Eastwood and Gran Torino is cranky. This woman yeah. is ill. Well, see, it's, it's, what's interesting to me about that is like, I hear you saying that. I'm like, yeah, no, that makes sense. But yet when I'm watching the movie, because of how terribly it is written, I'm just like, this is a bad written character. This is a poorly <laughs> written person because other yeah. characters have like, have been acting the same way throughout the rest of this movie. So yeah. I'm like, for, it didn't even occur to me. I'm just like, nope, this is just how Shyamalan thinks people talk, I guess. <laughs> Lemon well, drinks. Betty Buckley at least is playing it that in in such a way that I could interpret it that way. I would agree now that you said that. Yes. <laughs> so, Nicole, you put in our docket that this movie would be at least 50% better if it were literally any other explanation for the spreading phenomenon. You alluded to that yes. a few moments ago. And I think you're right because like this movie's at the right time where it's seven years post 9-11. It's not that far removed from the end of the Bush era. A lot of fear of international terrorism and attacks at home and like there's there's a natural domestic fear there i feel that this mm-hmm. movie can play into and it's the it's the plants 
Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. I mean, it's, <laughs> a point. I mean, it makes sense that, you know, in the script he would write that the first thing people think is that it's terrorist attack. Because that right. is what that is the first thing that people would think. But I I would have loved it to be anything else. Any, anything. Anything. Would it be better if if nursery owner man didn't just give it away immediately? Like, yes, we know it has something to do with the wind or the trees. Like that's alluded to and when it happens and how it happens. But if the nursery owner wasn't like, oh yeah, it's the plants, literally fifteen minutes into the movie, would it be a better movie? If well, it, if other explanations had been offered and it kept being ambiguous for a time, maybe. Right. Or if there had been any logic in following it up with it being plants, if they well, had, you know, like you go somewhere uh, away from a lot of plants and you seal up all your doors and windows and you stay in your home. And it doesn't matter how many people are in your house if you're not anywhere near plants. People yeah. in the cities might be a lot safer than people out in rural Pennsylvania. Right. The fact that this <laughs> starts in Yeah, the fact that it starts in Manhattan. Okay, it starts in Central Park. All right, that makes sense. But then you yeah. get five blocks out from Central Park and people start killing themselves, like not a lot of I've been five blocks out of Central Park. There's not a whole lot of plants there. It's a tactical invasion from the plants, David. They yeah, wanted to hit large urban epicenters to make a point. Uh, <laughs> how, what? Which okay. is how that guy kind of explains it at the end of the movie. Coordinating this for months, David. They've been working <laughs> this out. Well, try to keep up. Talking okay. among themselves. Yeah. I Okay. Yes. <laughs> I hear why though. <laughs> because cuz we're hurting them. Okay. Right. That and that's like another like all right. Look, I am I very much minded about climate change and all that and uh totally believe we got to make some big changes. Get all that. But this movie is so heavy-handed. Oh, it makes mother look subtle. Even me, like where where there's a five minute shot at the end on a news screen where somebody's just explaining the point of the movie. I'm like, <laughs> no. okay, like yeah. come on, man, <laughs> come on. Yeah, the woman reporting live from in front of the UN with like no kind of protection on, <laughs> but, even though they think it's an airborne terrorist attack in New York City. But they are reporting with such accuracy. That it is amazing. The first attack yeah. happens at 8.30 in the morning. By 11.30 a.m., they have completed autopsies on the initial victims and know this was airborne. They know right. the symptoms of what is happening. By, by three hours later, they have yeah. super accurate information. What? Because <laughs> the, the movie takes place over the course of exactly one day. It's easy yes, to forget like that in the movie. Hours. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think, though, it's it's poetic, and, and this is the only time I'll call this movie poetic, that at the very end of the movie, when the scientist is on TV trying to explain the movie to you, uh, he's telling you, we're destroying the planet, and this is the mechanism to which it tells us to back off. To which the anchor responds, yeah, no one's going to believe that. And <laughs> that was a little poetic. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, and there's there, but I mean, there are other logical problems with it. Like, why wouldn't it have attacked the place with the highest human population density first, like Manila or Mumbai or, you know, any of a million other cities where there are far more Monaco, you know, where there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people per square kilometer. Like well, tens why, of thousands. Why does the wind have anything to do with it as well? Like, how so do how, the plants control the wind? Spores? No, I don't know. They're not controlling the wind, but I think they're like but releasing. Yet we, but yet we have to outrun it. They're in a field of plants. The plants can yeah. just release the pheromones right there and it gets them. But they have to yeah. outrun the wind. How, yes. first, there's, how do you outrun <laughs> the wind? But also... Uh, don't <laughs> if you wrote just, shadow facts you might and and the movie wants you to believe early on maybe this is not Shyamalan's intention but before they explain it to you 
20 minutes in, every single time there's a gust of wind is when it happens. So it's not that you're just standing outside with a bunch yeah. of trees. And apparently the guy who tells you that it's all plants has no qualm with walking off the beaten path into a field of plants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah, leave the road and go out in this veritable sea of vegetation. Right. And he to knows. get away from the plants. That are attacking us. Why? Why would? And I, I and I know I put in a string of questions in our show doc that I'm sure we're <laughs> going to be addressing at different points in this movie. But I want to bring this one up at this point. Why does it just end? Why would the plants just stop? What is their agenda? Are we supposed to meet with their leader and talk about it? <laughs> why does it just stop? Is it yeah. like do we need to go find Audrey too and have a conference? Yes. <laughs> How do they have a? The, the, at one point, the news comes on, and they have a pin, like a minute accurate model of yeah. when this is going to end. We think it's going right. to end at nine oh three, and they and they know the first one happened at exactly eight thirty three a.m. They talk about that at some point. Like we know the first ones were eight thirty three a.m. It's like what? Why wouldn't you just say like eight a.m.? How you wouldn't have? Well, we had the script, you see, so we knew it was eight thirty three a.m. because <laughs> that's the time it showed. Right. And it you also possibly be in. You know, somebody in a greenhouse at like 6 a.m. that nobody knew about and right. didn't find yet. Well, no, because it started in, in large populations and whittled its way down. Oh, of course. Sure. <laughs> and, and and the only reason it gives for why it ends suddenly is, this. you know, the scientist says it was a warning, right? That this will happen again if we don't stop messing with nature. Um, and it does, which we'll get to later. We'll hold off on the, right. the last minute of this movie. Oh, um, David and I both... Finale. I know. Both David and I put a very similar question here. David said, why does everyone... No, sorry. Um, Why does it make you kill yourself in the most horrible way possible? And then my question is, if the neurotoxin turns off the brain's ability to act in self-preservation, which is how they explain it, then wouldn't people just be really careless and not actively seek horrific ways to kill themselves? They said it like flips the switch and inverts that. But wouldn't the inverse of that be like, I don't care if I die, not I'm going to try to kill myself? I don't know. I don't know I, why people can't like pair off and keep each other from killing themselves if they don't have a sense of self-preservation. Does that mean that they can't look out for others? <laughs> uh, this movie makes no sense. Whatsoever. We're spending really so much okay. time on the logic of this movie. I know, but I mean, it's nowhere. also not well. Di- this one's not well directed no. either. Because like there, there's a scene in the train station when they're getting ready to leave, and it looks like a train station like maybe half an hour into an ordinary rush hour, and yes, guys saying what a madhouse to his yeah. friend. It's like no, no, it isn't. This when this is an ordinary day in a train right. station. Right, it was like People trying to get in- one of those Sour Patch Kid dolls or whatever he called them. People are in line. People are yeah. like taking time calm. to watch TV and they're very calm. It's like if they were evacuating New York City, it would be insane. Now, and- are they, I thought they were in Philadelphia, that they moved from New York City to Philadelphia. And that's where Elliot and his. Were they not? Elliot in- and Julia they are. are. So oh. it starts happening yeah. in New York City and then they want to leave Philadelphia. And then after oh, they leave Philadelphia, it starts happening there. Now, like, my question <laughs> is that it's not easy to keep track of where if, people are. If, here, if there is a they pass a sign, if the lead, the leading belief early on is that this is a an airborne terrorist attack, uh, then and even post 9-11, as soon as that happened, all domestic flights were grounded. Why yep. would they not suspend mass transit? Why is even taking the train an option? This is this is how you transfer it. This is how it gets worse. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. understand. Yeah, it would probably be a seal your doors and windows. Right. Uh, right. They tell you to shelter situation. in place kind of thing. No, yeah, you would not be able to get a train ticket out of there. No, be- there, there is. I am, I am sorry to tell people if you live in a large urban center, there is no way to evacuate a large city without no. there being huge bottlenecks and a ton of people not getting anywhere near out. And it really is much easier to stay where you are unless it's like Hurricane Katrina, in which case everybody got screwed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and also that like the when like the train people, everybody had a seat and it seemed like there was even like a little yeah. bit of room. It's like, no, no, Nobody people would be in the aisles. 
People would be standing up and down that thing if they were truly evacuating. People are standing on my commuter rail train in the morning <laughs> that is supposed to have enough seats for everybody. Yeah, it, it's, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things, like this isn't even like a movie that's so bad it's good. And it's no. got a couple moments where it almost could be, look, the scene of Mark Wahlberg talking to a, a plastic plant is is fun. Like that is like the most fun this movie ever gets. <laughs> I remember right. laughing at that scene in the movie theater and I laughed at it this time. That is kind of the best this movie ever gets. But it's just there's something about it that it just it doesn't feel earnest enough to be like, well, that sucked, but I still had fun. It just sucked. Yeah. It's I mean, bad. oh my God. Yeah. Also, I want I want you guys to know that the working title of this movie was Green Planet, and oh, oh. Uh, the tagline was "We yes. sensed it. We've yes. seen the signs, and now it's happening." I remember sitting at the Esplanade 14 in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> this poster was up on the wall. My friend Jacob, we're like looking at it because we're like hanging out before after the movie. My friend Jacob has the revelation of like, you we sensed it. We've seen the, you know, the sixth sense. We've seen the signs. Now it's happening. And at the time of that, that's like, oh man, M. Night Shyamalan, it's going to be, going to be great. How young, how young I was. How innocent. How how innocent. What, what is the most distressing death to you? (laughs) Because for me, it's a man letting lions bite off his limbs piece by piece. No, that was funny because the woman was like sharing it, sharing the video with a total stranger. Hey, look at this. Yeah. As you do. Might be the lawnmower. This lawnmower 1080p is pretty bad. video on a, on a mid 2000s cell phone. Yeah, with bad stump effects. You know, I did not find that disturbing. It was just so poorly done that well, I was, it, I found it amusing rather than disturbing. If you're trying to kill yourself put your neck in a lion's mouth why would you just yeah. let him tear off your limbs yeah and yeah. that's what i don't understand is that it's they go for the most grotesque way possible to kill themselves in whatever instance they're in and that just doesn't align with whatever tiny bit of logic the movie oh. gives you for why I would they not say that it's the most grotesque way possible because, like, when it when it hits the policeman standing in traffic, he shoots himself in the center of the forehead yes. as one does when shooting oneself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was the one this time that really stood out to me. Of like, shut up, that wouldn't be what happened. <laughs> I mean, that's a it's an interesting setup. The fact that the gun goes from hand to hand, like the yes. next person picks up the gun and shoots himself. That could have been really eerie and creepy. The guys throwing themselves off the building at the beginning. That starts out being that I thought was the most effective thing. Because it I found that really creepy and horrible, especially seven years after 9-11, where people were throwing yes. themselves out of the building. And, you know, these people are just landing and like sacks of concrete at the base of the building. But he just can't resist pointing the camera up to try to get a, you know a quote-unquote artistic shot of the men leaping into the sky coming off the building and it comes off looking like a bunch of dummies being thrown off the top of the building <laughs> i get my oh. background you know it's just not it's uh i, yeah. I, I will give I him that the scene real early on <laughs> I, I agree with you. I, the scene in which I think is somewhat effective in being um, ominous and, and, and upsetting is the scene where you can't see the larger group of people they've separated from in the field before they're running from the wind. And you know yeah. that the army sergeant has pulled a gun on himself and you just hear the gunshots popping one after another. And they're kind of few and far between. And you, you know, this is a large group of, of, you know, men, women, and children. And that's what's happening to every one of them. And the film doesn't show you that, that yeah. is reasonably, you know, upsetting. Well, it's, it's until because, they start running from wind. Yeah, no, <laughs> it absolutely is. 
but it has to also be because they were in the middle of a field and only one of them had a weapon and M. Night Shyamalan was out of ideas on ways people could kill themselves. It's like, well, I had a guy sit in front of a lawnmower, so uh, shoot, I got nothing else for this middle of a field scene. This movie could have been better if he'd, you know, he had an R rating. That was the plan was to make a horror movie. It was a that was a bonus people considered at the time that this movie had an R rating. It was his yeah. first R rated film. He so was big like, enough to get it. What's he gonna do with it? You know, what's what's gonna happen? So if this movie had pushed up the gore quotient or made the deaths more creative in like a final destination type manner, you know, if they had done that, it would have at least been more interesting. It- least give me some nudity or something come on make make an r rating worth it or i don't know and yeah Betty Buckley oh. show up, be sitting on her porch with no top on drinking hey, a lemon drink you know what i would have a lot i would have a lot more to say about this movie than just the logic is flawed yeah that would have been something where it's like and then the movie goes bonkers when he comes across this old yeah. lady with no shirt. <laughs> to be honest, I would be like, this movie's great. And this movie <laughs> ruins. <laughs> it just it goes weird and crazy. Yeah. 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 And and there's something very in that scene where where then you know the lady ends up killing herself and they're separated between the two houses, one in the field and him in the main house. And they're talking and that's through, kind of a clever device. Yeah, and they're and they're talking yeah. through this this long pipe that was once used for folks who were smuggling slaves northward. Um, Then it just kind of ends and the movie's over for the most part until, until it isn't. Um, But it's just, I'm not looking for a twist. And I guess that's what I'm coming back to again is that I don't want to pigeonhole a creative person into saying like, you did this one thing a bunch of times. Now you have to keep doing it. And I, and I do feel for M. Night Shyamalan with that. But you need to have some sort of payoff at the end of your movie. And as we reach the end there and they have this dramatic moment where they both walk out into the field to visit each, to see each other, you don't get anything. Nothing. Not movie- it's because you don't care about <laughs> these people. Yeah, yeah maybe movie- that's probably it, right? Like the ending could be just the same and be better if the character development and you cared about those three people right. was made sense. The movie ends hard blackout. And then uh, ten more minutes. Yeah. It, well, to your to your point, David, everything moves so fast. You you put this in our docket, and it does. It there is no breathing room in this movie. No, and that's like that's I, going back to the whole like everybody gets information lightning fast. Everything is just happening so quick, so quick. Yeah. Do you yeah. guys think that if this came out as a Netflix original nowadays a la Bird Box or something like that. Like Bird Box is so similar to this movie in many ways. Um would would it be the kind of like water cooler talk that like Bird Box is or would it just kind of go under the radar? Cuz I think this could be like a Netflix sleeper hit. Like hmm. so bad that, that people on Netflix care about it. I th- I think it would be I mean, part of the disappointment was that it was so hyped up at the time. It was like such a big deal. It was if M. Night Shyamalan released this now, if you know, if he does, he never come out. But uh, but last Airbender and After Earth came out, and then he did the other stuff that he's done, where it's like, okay, well, you know, he can kind of come back from this. And to release this, we'd be like, we'd probably be much more like, yeah, that was fine, that was okay, I guess. But yeah, we yeah, I don't know. But I think there's like an infatuation again with like Bird Box and Quiet Place with the whole we don't know what's happening. Why is everyone dying thing? Yeah, but Quiet Place does it well. They at right. least build the tension oh, for and sure. you care about the characters. For yes. sure. So, yeah. I, I, this, no. <laughs> well, and I, and I put... Uh, a note here of the, there's a complete lack of chemistry between the leads. Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel have zero so, chemistry. So little. Chemistry. I don't see why any person would be attracted to either of them in this movie. <laughs> in this movie, no, absolutely not. They they have they zero could, personality traits. Really, you could have for, said you know, insecurity. Yeah, you could have said they were roommates, and I would have believed it based on how they act towards one another in this movie. Yeah. 
I would argue that Zoe Deschanel has more chemistry with any of her like 17 roommates on New Girl than she does with him. Um, so I guess That's my question good. is that at the beginning of the movie, his best friend, uh, the guy whose daughter they take, um, Julian, alludes to the fact that you know he doesn't like Elliot's wife. Um, Don't Elliot's- take my. Right, Elliot's don't wife. Don't my daughter's hand if you don't mean it. Yeah, like, whoa, oh my god. Like, you just asked her to, you ass. Okay. Um, <laughs> god, what a scene. But in any case, like, he doesn't like her. Uh, he caught her crying on her wedding day. He thinks that she's not going to be the kind of wife that will stand by Elliot when things get tough, which is why he makes a snide comment to her in the train station. Um, but there's nothing to support that disdain of her at all um aside from the fact that she's having her own little moral crisis about about going out for a dessert with a coworker, and she you know feels bad about that there's nothing she's done to him that we know about like there's no yeah. reason for me to believe that their relationship is all that flawed yet just, the movie I, wants the me only, to believe that yeah the only sign i can see that she maybe like non-committal toward him in any way is that they haven't had a kid yet right the the movie if you haven't had a kid with your spouse yet then that must mean that you're not in it for the long haul and you're not serious about the relationship the movie tells us oh their relationship is so rocky it, like they just might not work out yeah uh, like we're not really sure about our commitment but then everything they show us is like they're just they're fine they're just around like <laughs> There's yeah. no tension between them as people. No, I would They're actually be inclined to argue patch. the opposite. The, like the fact that she is so immensely guilty over something so innocent. I mean, maybe a little weird, but certainly not cheating. Uh, shows that she cares about him. And he immediately doesn't care. He gets it. And they move on. The entire buildup to her saying, oh, my God, if we're going to die, you need to know I had tiramisu with a guy named Joey. Doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. He's like, all right, cool. So I just learned that apparently there was a deleted scene where Elliot and Alma have a fight, then make up, and it was intended to serve as the movie's introduction. The filmmakers removed it so the audience could learn learn more about the couple's issues as the narrative unfolded. No, give us that scene where yeah, that you show been. us the tension <laughs> in their relationship. Right. Yeah, what oh, issues? Way, what issues yeah. unfold? Yeah, the the M Night Shyamalan cameo in this movie is as the voice of Joey on the phone, the guy she really? had tiramisu with. Uh, yeah, oh that was the, the single wisest move I think he made was to not be on screen in this movie. Yeah, because that that's I don't want to get he's too had off trouble track. keeping himself off the screen in his films. In the fact that he makes himself the writer who's going to change the world in Lady in the Water is still one of the most egregious, ego-stroking <laughs> castings I've ever seen in my life. What What is the... What's the mindset there? Is it like Hitchcock did it, now I have to? Like, for every self-indulgent director following? I don't know. Isn't that what... Doesn't Stephen King kind of do that in The Dark Tower? Yeah, Stephen the, King writes like, himself into, like, all of his work. No, but I mean, like, literally writes himself Stephen King, the author. In oh, the yeah, yeah, he does. He does. Dark Tower series. And you have, like, yeah. like Peter Jackson, Tarantino have varying degrees of cameos in all their movies. But it's, you know, showing up. What Peter Jackson does is, like, he walks in front of the camera for a right, second. Right, right. And that's fine. That's like, oh, that's hey. That's Hitchcock did. That's Peter Jackson. Yeah. What? But then, like, uh, when you have... Uh, Tarantino in Django Unchained doing whatever the fresh hell that accent was <laughs> and you know being on screen for 15 minutes it's like no 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 man you're indulging too much yeah Just Tarantino turns turns them into like supporting roles <laughs> at times uh, yeah. to varying degrees of success uh, right. what why a mood ring and David, you put that in the docket because the mood ring is the only catalyst for any sort of emotional development in this movie. Yeah. Why? Is it? Why? Is yeah, because it's the only moment in which the little girl isn't just a like moving faceless little body. Like she doesn't she doesn't talk. She doesn't have any emotion that her parents have died. There's nothing 
going there's you you could have this movie without the little girl to be the same exact movie but like then there's like the moment where he makes her laugh even though she's anxious and scared like the only emotional development that happens is because they talk about the mood ring or the only time we hear about their relationship is when they're talking about how he got her a mood ring well and we also know as an audience mood rings are are a bill of false goods. Uh, I was going <laughs> to say something that you would have to bleep out there, but like it is, it reacts to your body temperature. It doesn't react to your mood. Uh, well, I, I'm so sorry to tell anybody. My illusions who, have no, been ripped but, but, away. But David, different emotions emit different temperatures and frequencies from your body. So you're different colors when you're mad or sad. Shut, shut, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> But the, it, I'm sitting it, there this, going, measured with what? With yeah. how do you what? How is it this a dark movie, color? This how movie is like the... this movie is like oh the audience is dumb. The yeah, audience, the audience will will go with a mood ring will show us exactly what you're actually feeling. It's like come on, I man. wrote that into our Slack that this yes. movie assumes that the viewers are incredibly stupid and need everything spelled out <laughs> for them. Like there's almost this, there's a moment that's almost clever where they find this house to take refuge in and they're walking around and like everything is fake and they find a fake computer and they find fake food on the table and it dawns on you after about, oh, three seconds that it's a model home for a new development. But then the camera has to track outside and show the sign out front that says model home and focus on it so we can all get that point bashed into our brains. And it even needs... The viewers are stupid, apparently. It even needs somebody saying, everything in this house is fake. Yeah. It's like, we probably could have pieced together based on literally everything that happens in that following sequence that like, yeah, everything in this house is fake. It's a model home. Yep, yep, yep. You really got to make yeah. sure you get it. You know your you model home scene is bad when it more. makes the Indiana Jones Crystal Skull model home scene just seem so much better. <laughs> that deep cut from yeah. a different episode of ours. Oh, get, get, Crystal Skull, better movie than this movie. <laughs> I would if you had if you asked me if you asked me what would I rather watch at any point, The Happening or Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, a hundred, <laughs> like a hundred times. Okay. So, so did, can so, I poke my own eyes out instead? Not, oh, Crystal <laughs> Skull is at least kind of fun. So let's take it one step further, David. In the grand okay. scheme of you did this to us, oh, do you no, prefer this, this or the Emoji Movie? <laughs> oh God, that that is a. I knew that's what you're going to ask, and. Uh, <laughs> Much like the people in the happening, I would find a way to <laughs> take myself out before I had to. But if I like, if honestly, if honestly, those are my only two options. <laughs> still going, this movie above Emoji Movie. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Because the Emoji Movie is like offensive on all like your senses. Like you have to listen to yes. DJ Miller talk. Like, there's just a lot happening there that you don't want to ever have happen to anyone ever again. Uh, but speaking of things you have to listen to, uh, the music belongs in a much more action-packed movie than this one. And you are 100% right, Nicole. It totally does. Yeah, I noticed it mostly on the train where everyone has a seat and is having very calm conversations and they're trying to figure things out. And James Newton Howard's score is soaring and swooping and bringing in all these darkly uh you know foreboding strings and i'm like what is there stuff going on in the background i'm supposed to be paying attention to that this music goes with because i'm not seeing it on the screen so he's like the music is is telling you how you're supposed to feel with visuals that don't match at all and the visuals don't match the script, you know, we talked about that same scene in the train. How these just the the fervor that should exist doesn't. It just nothing matches up correctly in this movie. And for yeah, me, that, that 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 oh, sorry, go ahead, David. We are told constantly there's a horrific event happening. People are kill- like terrible things are happening, and everyone's reaction is like, oh no, yeah, that's that's so terrible. Yeah. yeah, even even yeah. Zoe Deschanel's character, Alma, her realization in the first 10 minutes of the movie 
It's making them kill themselves. <laughs> you seem scared. Just when you think there's no more evil that could be oh, in the world. No, 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 no. It's just when you think no more evil could be invented. Be invented yeah. <laughs> what? Oh. <laughs> um, it's a very, very, very bad script. Uh, so the ending is part of that bad script, in my opinion. Um, so the ending shows you they're in France and all of a sudden it's happening again. The happening happens three, three months later. So th- this, let's break this into two pieces. First of all, David, you put in our docket, uh, you know, why does everyone just move on at the end? Everyone just goes on like, well, that sucks. Oh, well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know if there's anything else you yeah. can do. Well, okay. Let, let me just, let me read out for the audience what I had written because it's all one statement in our Google Doc. <laughs> it is a sti- How do the plants control the wind? Why do they make you kill yourself in the most horrible way possible? Why does it just end? Why does the movie, why does everyone just move on at the end? Why a mood ring? Like it is just me escalating <laughs> through my thought process of all of these questions that are, that I am nowhere near satisfied with any of the answers this movie <laughs> provides me. At least, you know, I did a little research. At least Paris makes sense from like a population density point of view paris is like so much more thought into this yeah (laughs) place on the planet i was just curious because i'm just like why you know new york is a very populous city this is true but it's not that densely populated a city there's not people aren't right on top of each other in every area of the city it's it's because if you much more tightly packed people than this Yes, but I think in order to get, I mean, it's written for a Western audience. If you want them to care, it's got to, you know, the first hit's got to be a Western city, like somewhere like New York. And, you know, he's also, he's also preying on 9-11 fear. That's a great question. Why just people? Why is it only affecting people? Well, because people are destroying the planet, Nicole. Why? Like, (laughs) you know, bonobos have like 99% of our DNA. Why aren't, you know, why isn't it affecting them? (laughs) Maybe it is. We've only ever seen Philadelphia (laughs) and New York in this movie. Um, I guess my other question is, so Hot Dog Uh, Plant Man tells us that cold hot dogs for which he deserves to die. (laughs) (laughs) They have fun shapes and they're full of protein. Uh, he he tells us, you know, the plants can talk to each other, right? Like the, the trees can talk to the grass, can talk to sure. the bushes. And and that, sure, that might explain why the plants have decided to evolve to the point at which they can now fight back against, uh, you know, ecologically damaging humans. If that's plants also the case, does that mean the plants in France across an ocean have separately come to the conclusion yes. that they also must kill you know, people? No, because they, those ones can't talk unless the wind is like I don't know. It's the 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 roots. <laughs> but there's an ocean. Okay, but it's the, the collective but, consciousness thing. Like when monkeys learn to wash their food in japan monkeys in south america suddenly start doing it yes. i don't know that's exactly what that yeah. thing yeah we just i so like people who are listening to this episode right now are like they're spending so much time on the logic of this film. i know <laughs> it's such a waste of time i know i know it there's is no but logic there's, to be had here there's nothing else to discuss like honestly there's nothing else to discuss in this movie i know every, nothing else happens in this movie in the i dialogue, can't talk about the fascinating deaths that happen because no. none of them do no. the lawnmower death could be way more spectacular than it is and instead the lawnmower just like goes over him you, yep, you don't see it. what's left behind you don't see anything go flying out you except like a, maybe a little bit of blood but not as much as one would assume is contained in a human body and you, yeah just, and based it, on this movie i have to assume m night Shyamalan has never had a conversation with another human being before <laughs> <laughs> or he like or this is like the first instance of machine learning and he had that type up all his dialogue <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that could be. That would explain no, that's, that's the, the evil. The evil is invented line. Yeah, Ooh. it'd be an AI. That now see that would have been another good explanation for this movie. I, uh, that would have been a better I, excuse for it being bad than telling us it was a joke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Just my firearm is my friend. It will not leave my side. Like, uh, what was going on there? All of it. Because like, there, there's, there's allusion to the fact that, here's what I don't understand. There's like two things going on here. One is, I must kill myself as quickly as possible. Those are the people who pick up the gun, who sit in front of the lawnmower, who hang themselves and jump off buildings. But then there's the other side of it that we never get fleshed out, which is they're also apparently having some hallucinations. You have a girl on the phone who starts yammering about, she's, I see calculus, I see calculus, and then apparently kills herself. Um, or you have the guy with his gun saying, my gun is my best friend, and like he, there's something he's seeing that no one else is. And it seems like you you either just get the hallucinations or don't. And It's yeah. almost like this movie could have been more interesting in a million ways. <laughs> yeah, isn't it also and a little bit frustrating like, that Jake no. is the one that gives us the uh, the red herring at the beginning of the movie? The character of Jake, the perfect jock in class. Oh, oh. is he a red herring? I, did, I forgot about him pretty much. Yeah, because he, because he literally says the exact same line they say at the end of the movie. It's an act of nature and we'll never fully understand oh, it. Oh, right. Right, 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 right. Whatever. Yeah, so we're not actually going to get an explanation, even though we've already had one. Whatever. <laughs> we'll never know why, except for how it's been explained this whole movie long. How this works. <laughs> I don't get this. Ah. <laughs> Whatever. I think it's time to just make this end. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've lost. I've lost all ability to continue on. The happening. This movie movie didn't need to be this boring. (laughs) No, it didn't. You're correct. It could have been way more interesting in so many ways. Yes. (sighs) Yes, it could have. But alas, uh, you guys made us watch it. If you'd like to have the opportunity to subject us to films like this, or you know, you can throw good films in every once in a while. No one's saying you you have to pick movies like The Happening. You picked What We Do in the Shadows one time. It's your... Prerogative to pick yeah, what, decent what films. What happened to us? Why did yeah. you change? Yeah, what changed? Uh, you can do that again at mgrpodcast.com. But David, where can people find you online? People can find me around the internet under the username Davluz. It's D-A-V-L-U-Z. So find me on Twitter under that. Uh, I'm going to steal an extra second to say by the time this episode comes out, I'll be very close to launching a new podcast. Hit me one more time. So please do be on the lookout for more information if it's not out at this point. And you can subscribe to that early just by going on the Frog Pants Mega Feed. That's true, yes. <laughs> I feel the need to like push that for you because you're so well, quiet I, on it. I'm like, we need people to know it. how badass this is. Uh, and <laughs> Nicole, Nicole, where can people find you online? Uh, I have updated my letterboxd yet again, so now it also includes my top 10 movies of the year lists for the last five years. Uh, so if you want to see those, you can go find them at letterboxd, uh, Nicole underscore Davis. Very good. Find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. And finally, email the show at hihi at mgrpodcast.com. We would love to hear from you. Do you like The Happening? Did you vote for The Happening? Did you see the happening and thought it was as bad as we were? And you have thoughts on what we've talked about? Please let us know. Hi at MGRpodcast.com. But we will be back next week. The rounds are rotating back to the beginning. And Nicole picked a new to two, Captive State. We'll see you then. Captive State.